Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Brunson Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Carl United Football Club. From David Curry to Mikel Cominguez and Keith Walwyn to Mark Wynn Stanley, we've got it covered. Are you happy with those four, Dan? Yeah, not a bad four. Not a bad four. <laughs> not a bad four, no. Uh, Miguel Cominguez, that's a little throw ahead to the uh, special episode, that, because he's one of the one-game wonders that we'll be discussing in that. But we'll go on and to that what, later. What, what a list we have for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a list, and he had quite the performance, didn't he, as well? Yeah. Uh, it was like well, Bam- Bambi on ice, wasn't he? It, it, it depends what your class of performance has. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, okay, so before we get underway, um, obviously Dan is uh, co-hosting me this week, as usual. Um, hello. hello Dan, I uh, hope you're hello. keeping well um, Yeah, not bad So, a bit of housekeeping uh, before we get underway So, when you listen to this now, you'll probably notice the fact that you're not having to go to SoundCloud to get it Because we've taken the last few weeks to get everything, our house in order basically And sort a few things out And we are now available on several of the top podcast providing platforms so you'll be able to get us on apple Podcasts, spotify acast and google Podcasts, and a few of us as well we're working on trying to get it as widely available as possible but as it is now you can download it to your phone you can listen to it on the go i know a lot of people did like the soundcloud format but this is much simpler for everyone i think plus it gives us a chance to see how many of you are listening and get some good analytics and that kind of thing um so that's all sorted we've got a new logo as you can see on the uh, cover of the podcast this week and um, yeah, uh, as well as that, we've uh, got a website, uh, bruntonbugle.com or .co.uk also works as well. That'll give you all the information you need basically on the past episodes and stuff like that. Um, so you probably already have done, but if you are listening to this, please do subscribe to it as well. And if you can leave a comment and review and uh, give us a nice four or five stars, something like that, it'd be really appreciated because that way more people get to hear about the podcast and we can uh, provide more content for you. So uh, thanks for all the great feedback we actually had um, for episode one. We really, really do appreciate it. Shows that people are enjoying it and makes it worthwhile for us to keep recording episodes. Uh, if you've got anything else you'd like to add, just send them to bruntonbugle at gmail.com or contact us on social media at bruntonbugle on Facebook. And we're also, both me and Dan, in the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group, on, uh, which has a lot of Carla fans in there. Really, really good group. That actually really positive. Well worth joining if you're not a member already. Um, so we're going to be starting to do the specials now. Um, we're going to have uh, various guests talking about uh, items from the past, basically, historical kind-hearted things. Um, that's not going to be today's episode, but just giving you sort of a, an insight into what we're going to be doing going forward. Me and Dan are going to do a special on One Game Wonders, which should be out very soon. Uh, I'll also be getting Mike Booth on, and we'll be talking about the 2005-06 season. Uh, looking back at that, it's 15 years now. God, time flies, doesn't it, Dan, really? It certainly does. <laughs> it's mad to think it was that long ago that uh, that season happened. Um, so yeah, we've got that. Um, but today we're going to be uh, talking about a few uh, topics, uh, Cal United present, basically. Uh, looking at how uh, this close season, if you can call it that. It's called close season, but we don't even know when the next season is. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, uh, it's still officially an open season, isn't it? With yeah. uh, some of the stuff we're going to discuss. But... It's, a, it's a crazy one. So we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about... Uh, League 2 in the EFL over the last few weeks uh, and stuff such as uh, Barrow coming up, the League 2 and National League playoffs, the ongoing uh, League 2 relegation saga and a few transfer rumours and how United are going to cope in the summer. So that's the introduction out of the way uh, and we'll get started now. Okay, Dan, so first up for this week's episode, um, League Two Playoffs Roundup. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to start the programme say congratulations, Keith Girl, on getting promoted. 
Yeah, it's fine, finally got one after failing with uh, Notts County, Mansfield and Carlisle. That was totally through gritted teeth, that wasn't it? He said that. No comment. <laughs> but no, no, no to, to be fair, they were the best team of the four when it came to the playoffs. And, you know, you can fully deserve to go up from what I saw of it. Yeah, you've got to feel for Exeter, haven't you? Really, three years in a row in the playoffs and been, I think they've been beaten at Wembley twice, haven't they, obviously? And knocked out yeah. in the semi in the other eights. They, they just don't seem to quite have that formula to get themselves into the top three and avoid the playoffs. No, and you do wonder if at some point there'll be a bit of a a fallback from that. You know, they've, they've done well for two or three seasons. I know when they released uh, their list last week, there was two or three of the old heads uh, seemed to be moved on. Could this be sort of like a, a season of consolidation after having a good go? Yeah, the, the the one thing with Exeter you remember is they have, they have such a good youth setup as well. Though they've they've always got players ready to come in seemingly. And yeah, Exeter had sold uh, Ampadu and oh, forget the name uh, the lad who went to Swansea was it Grimes? Uh, I think it was Grimes. Yeah, Ashley yeah, Grimes. It was yeah. The 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 made uh, several million off those. Uh, there was a couple of others as well. Has that money sort of been utilised now? You know, they've they've done a lot of groundwork. Like I said, a couple of the older heads are moving on. Mm. Could this be the coming season where they maybe just take that little step back and sort of consolidate to go again? But Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, the other two teams in the playoffs, I mean, Cheltenham probably outperformed the expectations last season. I think Michael Duff had a great first year as their manager. Um and at Colchester, they're they're a weird one, aren't they? They 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 seem to be right up there every season, but they released a load of players before the playoffs. I, I was began. just going to say, I think I think Colchester's problem was basically as soon as the lockdown started moving on, they started saying that the best players wouldn't be here next season, and that can't have been the best for the uh, the squad morale because. They've been playing, thinking, well, who, who, who's safe? Who's going to come? Who's going to go? You know, so I, I wasn't surprised that Colchester didn't do much. Cheltenham, the surprising thing with Cheltenham was they've been quite strong at home during last season. And it was, ironically, the home performance that uh, that knackered them, you know, after mm. such a strong performance away. I know uh, their goalkeeper got praise in the first leg when they won at Northampton, but mm. they just... I watched most of that match and they just they looked devoid, you know, almost scared, I would have said. But It's unusual, isn't it? Because you'd, you'd think as well, there'd be not as much pressure with no fans there, but it seemed to have the opposite effect for them. Definitely, definitely. You know, I mean, not that they get massive crowds, but, uh, you know, it's, all players obviously like playing in front of two or three thousand as opposed to two or three folks. Uh so, so we know Northampton have uh, moved up to League One and uh, best of luck to them, uh, Nicky Adams and co, next season in League One. Um, we know now that Exeter, Colchester and Cheltenham will all be staying in our division. Um, it's a bit frustrating that we've lost the most northern of the four playoff teams that uh, <laughs> yeah. has gone up, but we shouldn't be too greedy because it's actually looking quite nice next season. Yeah, to, 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 be, to be fair, they were all sort of, what would you, you, you class as southern teams, weren't they? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, pick it, you know, nitpicking a bit there, but yeah. Northampton's one of those teams. If they were, for instance, relegated from the National League, they'd be sort of bordering on either the Northern or the Southern. Yeah, National yeah, League, wouldn't they? yeah. The kind of situation they are. Um, so yeah, we obviously know that they're um, those three are going to be staying down in League Two. Um, we know that Barrow coming up. We'll get onto that one in a little bit. Um, but at the bottom, we we think Stephen is going down, but. Suddenly, that just changed the last few weeks, hasn't it? It's, it just seems to be a bit of a never-ending farce. This relegation from League yeah, League. the the EFL are appealing against a points deduction that they themselves <laughs> have given, but they need to appeal because the outer body say they were too harsh early on, etc. Yeah. And if if anyone could understand any of that, please feel free to get yeah. in touch with us. I mean, but we, yeah, we said in the last episode, didn't we, that Stevenage were absolutely dross last season and probably deserve to go down. Michaelsfield, I mean, if they're getting relegated based on a few points deductions, and it, it's one of those ones you need to punish teams that don't get their finances in in order. I totally understand that. When it starts interfering with something like that, it, it you're getting on a sort of 
difficult sort of ethical level, really, aren't you? It's it's, it's tough. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder if if Stevenage actually have some sort of paperwork or email, you know, with certain I wouldn't call it threats, but uh, suggestions, you know. That, let's be honest; they should be clusters down and moving on. But mm. you know, again, how long is this going to take? Because mm. what something we're going to move on to shortly, you know, looking to the new season, we we need to, uh, you know, the powers that be will be trying to somehow cobble a fixture list together, which I can't imagine being the easiest of tasks at the moment. Yeah, well, well, well let's let's move briefly on to that one then, because. The feeling here is, isn't it, that that Macclesfield thing is probably going to drag on, and I won't be surprised if it's not sorted until probably just before the fixtures are announced. The way it's going, um, so let's move on to next season if we can, because we don't know. We're no clear as to when the season's going to start. Are we interestingly yesterday, I think it was that the uh, the Scottish Premier League have put the fixtures out for next season. So, I mean, they obviously terminated their season early, so they've had a chance to get the house in order and get things planned. But amazingly, they're already planning for next season and we're still not 100% who's going to be in our division. Yeah, I mean, um, it seems to be the unofficial start date being banded about on several sources on likes of Twitter, etc. is for the 12th of September. The reason the 12th being there is because the weekend before is actually an international weekend which although it won't really affect us, uh, it would affect the Championship and obviously the Premier League. So you, you've actually got a scenario where the top teams are going to have the players back for pre-season and likely behind closed doors friendlies. Then they're going to have to release half the squads for <laughs> a week and a half of international, get them back for a couple of days and then start the season. So it's uh, it's it's all a bit of a mess. I mean, there was a rumour floating last week that they might try to start League 1 and 2 on the last weekend of August, a couple of weeks earlier, almost as like the guinea pig for the championship. But again, there's been no mention of, will it be behind closed doors? Will it be socially distanced crowds? Um Someone I know I was talking to, I can't name names, uh, suggested he'd heard a possible 40% of your capacity if you're able to social distance. That's great for us. Isn't it? That's great <laughs> for us. Uh, just over 17,000, we we could have approximately five and a half, six thousand. 6,000, so we'd, we'd be absolutely fine. It's average, isn't it, really? So, yeah. yeah. When, when you've got a big, long terrace like the, the paddock, you could even open the waterworks, you yeah. know, to... You know, three sides of Tennyson, one big stand, and then the old stand. Now, I would yeah. say it would probably work for us. We'd we'd be one of the better teams, whereas your Salfords and your Barrows, who only hold five five and a half thousand, maybe not so much. They'd be allowed what maybe two thousand max. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, you say that about opening the stands. The other question I thought to you as well is: Are away fans going to be allowed to come to games? I mean. It's an interesting one because obviously, I suppose I class as an away fan in the way that I travel up from Liverpool to Carlisle home games. So I'm not a local going to the match, and there's going to be a lot of cases of that. But do they want large numbers of people coming from, say, Bolton up to Carlisle for a game? Probably not. So, yeah, it's that. Especially when uh, obviously we saw the situation in Leicester last week where the city of Leicester got put into a localised lockdown that is like unlikely to be the first and last. You know, I mean, it could be that, I don't know, Northwest Manchester gets it one week and who's to say Carlisle and Cumbria might not get it one week. You know, there's, yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of hurdles to be overcome before we get definitive answers. But there is also a whisper that we may get sort of a basic idea in the next few days. But again, as we saw with the decision to end the season, one week can become several weeks very quickly in the EFL world. Yeah, that, there's a lot of hoops to jump through as well, isn't there? I suppose as well, the EFL concentrating on getting the championship finished and the League One playoff sorted as well. So there's, there's, there's issues to be dealt with there. So it, it's it's not easy. And I think 
they get a lot of criticism in the AFL and they probably deserve quite a bit of it. But I actually think they've done as well as they can in very difficult circumstances to to get things in order and try and sort out the major issues over the last few months, I would say. Yeah, but um, also against that, obviously, the, the Wigan debacle that's unravelling in the last week yeah. has put a lot of pressure on the EFL and could they possibly take that eye off the ball a little bit? You know, it's mm. that they're getting massive pelters, and from having read into it, rightfully so. You know, yeah. But that's again, that's a separate issue. But it all just comes under the heading EFL, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, um, it's just everything is EFL, EFL. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, there's a huge amount of challenges, and I don't envy them in trying to sort them out. If I'm, if I'm honest with you, I think it, it, it's not going to be easy. Like we said there before, hopefully fans will be allowed to come back sooner than we expected. But if they're not, it, it, it's difficult to see how clubs are going to survive or how it's going to work. Are, are they going to rely on fans being generous and just donating money when they would, you know, say buying virtual tickets and getting a an iFollow pass as a result or something like that? It's the only thing I can think of. The 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 problem as well with that sort of thing is initially. It's great. Everyone's on board. Say, say Carlisle started the season September the 12th and by the end of September we've drawn one and lost three of the first four. You got, team, a team would struggle to sell their average gate of viewing passes yeah. because they're not playing well. You know, that's just that's just out of a natural order, you know. I mean... Yeah. We, a lot of people would be like, "Oh, I'm going to pay twenty pound to watch online when we've uh, we got beat four 0 last week." You know, it's yeah. I think it, it's it's difficult. There's going to be a it sounds a weird way to say, but there's going to be a need for a bit of charity here, isn't there? Really, of people are going, probably going to have to be a bit more generous towards their clubs and a bit more understanding when things aren't going well. But and I, I also think in return, there's going to have to be a hell of a lot of goodwill from the clubs. Yes, you yeah, know, definitely. You know, and. Let's be honest. Goodwill is probably not one of the first words you come <laughs> no, to. Not a Cal United when <laughs> discussing Cal United in the last few seasons. No. So, yeah, yeah but, but to be, to against that again. To be fair to the club, the updates that have come out from the likes of Nigel Clibbins and David Holdsworth have been pretty good. You know, I know yeah, they've people, been excellent. I, I know a lot of people aren't massive fans of those two, but. Whenever they have had some sort of news and information to convey, it's been it's been sent out pretty well, and they've actually been quite interesting reads the articles. Yeah, so, you know they're only passing on what they know to us, which you know they know not a lot of anything like all of us at the moment. So yeah, yeah, I think I think Clibbins is update in particular about the financial situation, how it works, have been very good, very thorough, and. I think quite reassuring as well. Actually, that they're on top of it and they know there's going to be problems. I, I, I would, I would, I would also say as well. I think we've in these briefings, we've probably got a hell of a lot more information than a lot of clubs would give to their fans. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. They've, they've been quite, uh, quite open and, and and almost honest with it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think we've covered as much as we can on a topic that we don't really have any answers to at the moment. Um, so let's move on to uh, talking a little bit about the National League now. And uh, start off, uh, congratulations to Barrow, promoted to the Football League for the first time in 50 years, I think it is, isn't it? It's quite the achievement, really, for them last season. And uh, particularly, I've, I want to single out there, well done to Pat Bruff, who's obviously playing for them now, came up for our academy, um, played quite a few games for us, Never quite settled in. Keith Kirk wasn't a fan. Moved on. He's been done the rounds a bit, hasn't he? But he, he's done well for himself. He's established himself at Barrow, and he'll get the chance to show us what we're missing out on. Yeah, he went. He went to Morecambe, started playing a bit there, and then sort of dropped out the team. And then was it Falkirk he went to in Scotland? I yeah, think? it was Falkirk. Yeah, yeah, he had a year there, then landed at Barrow, and you know they, they seem to love him. You know, he gets up and down, almost. Almost what we would have needed if we didn't have Nick Anderton, to be quite honest. Yeah. But no fair play to him. Yep. So Barrow next season. Um, looking forward to that one. I mean, some fans are getting a bit excited, but some fans are like, so what? And from what I can gather, the Barrow fans are more bothered about Morecambe because that's the one they see as the big derby. Yeah. I mean, when when Barrow 
went out the league, was it 48 years ago, there was yeah. still actually a Lancashire club, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes, we played them, but it was it was just like we when we play Morecambe, Accrington, same sort of teams now, you know. They moved into Cumbria in the mid-70s yeah. and... I don't. I don't think, barring pre-season friendlies, I don't think we've played them since. No, no, we we, we played no. Workington in the time since they left. We haven't played Barrow in a competitive fixture. At least, yeah, I think from yeah. what I can remember. So, and uh, like like you say, they do seem to have uh, more of a rivalry across the bay towards Morecambe. I mean, don't get me wrong, because of the the geography and the local radio, etc. Carlisle mm. will be a big game home and away, but. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that we're actually behind Morecambe in their pecking order. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? But let, let, let's just, uh, in case any Barrow fans are listening, let's just remind them, you're on medium wave. Just remember your place. <laughs> <laughs> remember your place in the pecking order. Um, so we, we've boxed off Barrow there. Um, let's look at the National League playoffs now. So obviously this is the uh, the last remaining team. Obviously we don't know whether Stevenage or Morecambe, uh, sorry, Stevenage or Macclesfield will be relegated to the National League or not. But let's just put that to one side for a minute. The last team we need to find out who's going to be in our division next season uh, comes from one of the six playoff teams. Um, so we'll have a little chat about who we really fancy um, to come up. We'll go through each club. Um, we, we asked on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group as well, actually. We did a little poll. And I'll give you the numbers on that once we finish discussing it. Um, so let's work our way up. So we'll start off with the team that scraped in there thanks to points per game. Barnet, just, I just, uh, maybe I've been harsh it's here. Barnet. Just it's Barnet. boring. It's boring, yeah, isn't it? Barnet. They've been in so many times. Yeah. They they blitz their way through the national league, come up and do pretty much nothing in the actual football league, and they struggle to get crowds of over two thousand. They're building a ridiculous setup at the hive. Did you see the pictures out the other day? It's just it's an incredible yeah, training yeah, setup, and yet they don't get the crowds. It's weird. No, and they they obviously make a bit of money from renting out their facilities to various teams for training and playing, but they're they're similar to Dagenham, you know. They're just they're not big enough. They'll always be a yo-yo team. Yeah, one of those teams. I mean, I, I, it's easy to get to London. It's a little bit of a trek out on the tube to get to the Hive, Barnet's ground. Um, so I don't particularly want them to come up, but if they did come up, well, it's it's a London trip, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, that's you know you can you can have a couple of pints in Camden yeah. on the to break off the journey to yeah. Barnet. So. As we as we did last time, I think we're both still bitter about the last time we went to Barnet when we got to the ground. I think we've about five ten minutes before kick off, and, and there was did, one turnstile open and two hundred four. Yeah, we got in about 10, 15 minutes after kickoff, but actually, in the end, they did us a favour because that was one of the worst games of football I think I've ever been to. Bar yeah, one, what, what, bar one incredible touch from Hallam Hope right in front of us, that was literally <laughs> the only good thing about that game. Yeah. Um, up next, uh, Halifax Town. Um, not too far to travel to. Um, decent away terrace. Nice day out in Yorkshire. I wouldn't be against them coming up. I don't know Not at all. I mean, obviously, we used to play Halifax a lot in the uh, late 80s and through the early 90s. Uh, the ground's a hell of a lot better than it used to be back in the old days when it was the tarmac sort of car pack. Was it, it a Greyhound track, I think, wasn't it? I think it, well. was, it was. I think they did stock car racing as well. Yeah. And it, <laughs> there, there wasn't even crash barriers on the, the what they classed as the tennis, you know. It was, <laughs> yeah, I remember, it was I remember just, seeing photos of that tin pot but yeah. no the, the share's quite a nice little ground now and you know it's it's not too far away and yeah I certainly wouldn't complain if Halifax came up yeah I think I think their manager is that fellow who was in charge of Oldham last season he um thingy Pete Wilde I think um, oh yes yeah. he's, he's done a hell of a good job there on what I imagine is quite a small budget because they never yeah, generally yeah. have big budgets there so he's done pretty well for himself mm. um next in the list is I think Boreham Wood. Very similar to Barnet, except yeah. they're just smaller. You know, I mean, and, they and don't that, get big crowds. They're just... Yeah. We obviously had a little bit of uh, aggro with them when they left our dressing room and mess in the cup. Yeah. So we could we could maybe go and, like, tip orange juice over <laughs> and leave the hangers upside down or something, you know? Orange juice in inverted commas there, I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah. um... 
yeah, um, honestly, Sodom. I, I, if, I, I can't if, help if they didn't come up, <laughs> if I'm honest. So. Well, to be fair, I think if they did come up, that would be a relegation place sorted for next season because yeah. I know their chairman's quite, he's one of these quite vocal types and yeah. I don't, I just don't think they could sustain it to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, they're, not, they're only at that level because they get a decent financial backing from Arsenal who use the, for the, ladies, the facilities they, yeah. for the ladies and sometimes the reserves, etc. Yeah, because they, they were building the new stand where we went there in the cup actually, I seem to remember. And it's finished now. It's a, it's a small little stadium to be fair for the size of the club. But I think, as you mentioned, the chairman there, I, I remember reading something he said um, a few weeks ago about the National League playoffs and how it was going to be a struggle for them to actually finance it. And there was a talk that they might even give up their place at one point, but looks like they're going to be playing in them uh, as it stands. Um, but yeah, not not overly fussed on the idea of them, if I'm brutally honest. Um, next, Yeovil Town. Again, just just boring isn't it <laughs> it's it's the a yovel aren't they yeah it, it, it's a pain to get to as well isn't it at least, at least with barnet and boring wood you train straight down to london then you yeah, just yeah, out again yeah. anyone who's ever done the drive or the train journey down to yovel will tell you what an absolute ball ache it is to get there yovel is one of about seven grounds i still haven't been to i will do it one day to uh to tick it off but it's when you when you when you look when the fixtures come out it's probably about the last fixture you look for. Yeah. Oh, Yeovil away. Ooh. You know. It's just not an easy one to get to, but they've done no. pretty well in their first season uh, back down. Is it their first yeah, season? Yeah. I can't remember now, to be honest. Um, yes, it is, because yeah. they had the big collapse yes, the season before last. And the big collapse that made Sol Campbell seem a hero at Macclesfield. Yeah. <laughs> when he, he on, they only stayed up because Yeovil lost nearly all the last games yeah. from February onwards. And, so. and Notts County were just simply dreadful as well. Yeah, they? So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I remember that. Um, so yeah, Yeovil, I don't think either of us are that fussing them. Um, now we're up into the, the next two, which is uh, Notts County first. Um, just a proper football league club, aren't they really? And it's a bit bit of a shame the mess they've got themselves into over the last few seasons. But um, Well, yeah, I'm, 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 just, I'm just looking at the league table on my laptop as I, as I talk to you and you would sort of put Notts County in that group with the likes of Hartlepool, Chesterfield and Wrexham, you know, the the traditional league clubs for, for many people and, you know, nobody would have any complaints if they did come up. I mean, they nearly got into the Premier League, didn't they, in the first season it was out? It seemed yeah, like they were yeah, right up yeah. there in the, the older first division, second division it was then, playoffs. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, they're, they're a big club, they should be back in the Football League. It's another one that's fairly easy to get to, it's a good day out as well, Nottingham, so I think... I think we'd probably both agree we'd be pretty happy if they came up. Yeah, well, there certainly wouldn't be any complaints, you know. Finally, uh, in second place, who were hot on the heels of Barrow, but couldn't quite reach them, Um, Harrogate Town. A bit of a surprise, see how well they're doing. Maybe not a surprise, really. There's been a bit of investment there, and they've clearly got a manager who knows his stuff. I think it's Simon Weaver who's in charge. They used to play for Orient, I think. Um, And yeah, they're a club that's, that's on the up. But they are facing their own challenges, aren't they? Because they've got to get some work done to get the ground up to standard for the Football League, including potentially removing their pitch. I was just about to say, I'm fairly sure they still have a 4G or equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. So would it it be a case of they'd have to find another venue to start the season? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think where they could possibly well, play. York City. And I was just going to say, York, yeah, that would be uh, convenient, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I'm sure it wouldn't be an issue for York, seeing as you know, the, at the end of the, the day, there's no fans going to be in grounds at the moment anyway. So it would when, also make them a little bit of money, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm sure if they you know paid them a small fee for the first few games yeah. while the pitch was getting sorted. But yeah, they will have to take up their 4G pitch. Um, now that. I wonder if that'll cause them some issues because I imagine they probably rent out the pitch as many clubs that get 4G pitches do. And if they can't rent it out, that might lose them a bit of income on the side as well. So it's a bit of a challenge for them, I guess. Yeah, um, and is, is uh, Paul Farwell still I there believe he's still a first-team coach there first, yep. yeah. Uh, the, the man who uh, who's, we saw a tattoo of once that was one of the greatest tattoos I've ever seen. <laughs> if, if, if whoever has that tattoo happens to listen to this podcast, Please get in touch because it is fantastic. Yeah. We never got a photo of it, did we? We re- it was in the Cali after the uh, last game of the season a few years ago, I think, and we really need to get a, 
uh, a photo. He's, he's, he's actually listed as assistant manager on Wikipedia. Oh, well, there you go. So which he's... isn't always 100% right, but... Uh, but yeah, and obviously uh, Mark Beck as well is. Yeah. Oh, he's done. A, he's done brilliantly. To be fair, I mean, I always like Mark Beck. I think a lot of expectation was put on his shoulders because of how well Gary Medine had done a few years before. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think people probably expected a little bit too much of him at that time. I mean, a lot of people used to complain, "Oh, he's too slow." He's like, well, he's a he's a big six foot five beanpole striker. He's not going to be pacey. He's all about holding up the ball and using his strength. And he's very popular at, um, at Harrogate. And he did really well at Darlington as well before that, by all accounts. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his stats. I mean, he's scored about 30 goals in 100 games for uh, for Harrogate, which... I think he's when kept, you f- I was when say, you, I think he's kept John Stead out of the team there, hasn't he? I, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, for someone who's more a target man and... and an out and out striker, thirty in just under a hundred or whatever is pretty good going, you know. And having, like you said, John Stead would be a hell of a, a teacher pupil for him in training. You know, I mean, John John Stead was a, I'm saying was he still is, although albeit in non league now, a really good sort of a, yeah, a better version, pressure, yeah. of, better version of Derek Holmes for us, you yeah. know. And, Mark Beck would do would certainly learn a bit off him. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Harrogate itself as a place is a lovely town. If you've never been there, my uh, uncle and auntie used to live quite nearby in Weatherby, so I used to visit it quite a lot. And it's a really nice little place. It's I, I, on the train. I, I, I've I've just got an image of a, a a bank holiday Monday match and the oh. Blue Army all having tea and scones. Get a nice little spa day out at the Harrogate well, Spa. Well, you know, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some of our uh, Less well-behaved fans would uh, love that, wouldn't they? Um, yeah. But no, I think I, I think it'd be nice. It's only a small ground, they all see, so there's the disadvantage of that. But I think it'd be nice just to have a new club, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice yeah. new face. Like, Barrow coming up, the thing that excites me about that is the fact that it's a new club. It's someone different. It's not the same old guard coming up all the time, like like the likes of Yeovil and Barnett. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just nice for that. So I think we're sort of in agreement. One of the Yorkshire clubs would be perfect, Halifax or... Yeah, and I, 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 I would get. I, I've actually not seen uh, the poll results, but I would hazard a guess that Haddergate and Halifax were probably at the top of the voting. Well, I've, I've got the results here. Well, the results when I last checked them, there might be more by now, but it's not going to affect it because uh, oh, those who voted, um, no one voted for Yeovil Town. <laughs> so I think they're in, in agreement with us. It's just a pain in the ass to get to. It's not worth the hassle. Uh, one person voted for Barnet, but I would point out that person also voted twice because I didn't realise you can vote twice in it. They also voted for Boreham Woods. I'm going to guess they live in North London, probably. Um, yeah, yeah. Because they're the only votes for those two. Knott's got two votes. I know there's a couple of fans I know that live down that way, so I might explain why. Halifax got six votes. Harrogate Town got 48. So I think everybody is looking forward to a nice York- North Yorkshire trip next season. Hopefully. Yeah, so, yeah. No surprise there. Interestingly, I was looking back actually to see because obviously it's a different format in the National League in terms of the playoffs. It's six teams. So you have your fourth to seventh play each other, don't they? I think they play one game against each other. Yeah. the, the yeah. Four, Fourth and fifth play sixth and seventh. And the winners of those two games travel to second and third. Yeah. And then obviously yeah. the winners of those games go on to play in the final. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see whether that would actually work in the football league, actually. It would expand I, I the season a bit further, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, would, it, would, it would probably, at the moment, it's sort of the team down to about 9th or 10th have that little chance of going up. Yeah. It would probably drop it down to about 12th place, you know. I mean, well, Barnett would, Barnett would 11th, but because of the points per game, they were four games behind Stockport and only four points, so... Yeah. So they, I mean, Stock, Stockport would have been brilliant, but yeah. sadly not to be. Yeah, it's a shame, that one, really. Um, but yes, I look back, actually, and seeing because it's been running for two se- last two seasons, they've run this format. And in those seasons, the ones that have gone up have been Tranmere in second place in 2018 and Salford in third place in 2019. So it's only a small pill to work with, but the suggestion is that the teams that finish second and third are probably in the best position to achieve that because obviously they have to play less games as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether that has an effect this time, though, because obviously they have been playing for a while, so you never know those teams. Maybe that... open the field yeah. a little bit, you know. Possibly will, possibly will. Okay, so I think we're both in agreement. 
Harrogate or Halifax would be ideal for us. North County at a push. Q Yorval. <laughs> Absolutely nailed on. But they, I mean, they I think they were the form team, weren't they? So you never know. Your suggestion is that they may be the team to watch in this playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that's wrapped up a uh, league two national league discussion. Uh, we'll take a little break now, and we'll be back to talk about all things Carrigan United. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, episode two of the Brunton Bugle podcast. So we've covered all things National League and EFL. Um, let's move on to a bit of Cal United discussion. Uh, we'll start off first with the uh, the contract situation. Um, nothing to update, basically. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've heard nothing more. It, it, but it's a very weird situation, isn't it, Danny? That, in that clubs don't know when next season's going to start yet. They don't know what clubs can offer, really, because they don't know whether yeah. fans are allowed to game. So... I can understand why the club are being patient and why the players are being patient at the same time. I mean, technically, the three that have had the offers that we've not heard, uh, Byron Webster, Jack Bridge and Geffen Jones. Jones, technically they're all out of contract players now with uh, 30th of June having passed. And there was a suggestion that they would have to indicate by the 23rd, 24th of June, which is when the retained lists were due out yeah uh obviously we've heard zero there's been very little mention anywhere there's there's been very few rumors about these players on you know you can usually type the names in twitter there was one of the random transfer accounts reckoned that geffen <laughs> jones was signing a two-year deal at tranmere but uh two or three tranmere fans were like yeah we've got no manager and we're not in a position to sign players. So. Yeah. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, like I said there, I, I can understand why the club are being patient and why the players are being patient. And neither of them are putting pressure on the other to make a decision, really. I, I can totally see why, because we don't know what's going to happen for next season yet. So there, there has to be a bit of give and take, really, a bit of leeway there in terms of this sort of thing. And I'm sure if the club were that bothered, they would have said, right, well, you've not accepted your contract off you go and similarly I'm sure the players would do the same otherwise so yeah yeah well as you say it's it's that up until until we actually get this set in stone start date and clubs can start planning I don't think we'll uh we'll hear much more no no definitely not um okay so you cover that as much as we can really it's a difficult one there's not really much to talk to on in terms of contracts Let's talk about some transfer rumours. Um, now, it's a weird one because obviously because we don't know when the season's going to start and everything like that. I know I keep saying that, but it, it, it's the reality of the situation. The transfer rumours have been very quiet, really. There's not been much normally at this point yeah. in the summer. There's all kinds of names being thrown about. We're hearing about trialists coming in and stuff like that. We're not really hearing much, bar a couple of names that are getting mentioned quite a bit. Um, we'll get onto them in a minute, but anything you've heard, Danny, in particular? Just, I, I literally did a, a a quick Twitter search this morning, and one of the uh, the so called transfer rumor sites linked us with Ian Henderson from Rochdale, yeah, a player we I think we're always going to get linked with, given Chris Beach's contacts there. Uh, another one was former Plymouth striker Ryan Taylor was mentioned. Uh, there was a couple of ridiculous ones involving transfer fees which tells its own story because we just don't really pay transfer fees uh but no it's in general there's there's not been overly much i'm just mm. scrolling now just checking and no 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 it's been it's been very quiet and again like i said i can understand why it's just the reality of the situation um let's talk about the one that's getting mentioned quite a bit then jamie devitt so clearly not settled a Blackpool. 
they they want Reid, they want to move him on. Yeah, well, he signed for Blackpool, then Grayson came in and immediately decided he didn't want him. So he went yeah. to Bradford on loan and then was out nearly all the season with a bad injury. So not, not the best 12 months for for Jamie. No, it's, it's been difficult for him, but from what I've heard, we definitely have spoken to him. We're definitely keen on bringing him back. It's trying to find a deal that works for him and for us. I think the other issue is obviously the Blackpool, as part of that deal, will say, well, we're going to pay up your contract or something like that. But obviously, if he's going to get then get a decent wedge off another club, they might say, well, actually, we don't really want to pay you all of that. You, you know, you, you get yeah, paid yeah. fairly well there. So I think that's where the balance is trying to be found at I mean, the moment. I mean, yeah, it, it could end up being a season loan situation where yeah. a club makes a contribution to Blackpool, you know, and yeah. maybe meet some halfway or something. But... Yeah, I mean, the other clubs that have been linked quite strongly, I mean, well, quite ridiculously, some Barrow fans were convinced that the reason that there was a delay on Ian Everett being announced as Bolton manager was because he was trying to sort out the debit transfer to Barrow before he left as a present, which is just I, I, th- I think there'd nonsense, be more chance but... of him going to Bolton than Barrow. <laughs> yeah, well, that, especially that's, that... given he lives here, that is one of the rumours, isn't it? Yeah, Bolton and Salford are the two that are getting mentioned. I mean, Salford yeah. are going to get linked with anyone, you know, yeah, with yeah. with two feet basically over the summer. I yeah. think um, Salford, either of them are going to be good for him because he lives in Manchester. I wonder if maybe he might think to himself, though, I'm well-liked at Carlisle. I did well there. That can be a drag sometimes for players. That can be something that pulls them in occasionally. You know. On the flip side, uh, there's nobody left at the club from when he was here, and he only left a year sure. ago. You know, I mean, as we said last time, John Mellish is our technically longest-serving player because he was the first announced last summer of yeah. those who still remain, so... Yeah, I think the only staff member really there is probably um, Gavin Skelton, I would guess. Yeah, really. and maybe Eric Gav- Kinder, Gavin so. Skelton and uh, Kit Mancall, I would say. Yeah, and, well, David Holdsworth. <laughs> and there was there was a bit of chat when David left last summer that perhaps they maybe didn't see eye-to-eye regarding contract offers, etc. Yeah. So that, that, again, that just adds another... <laughs> page of intrigue into any possible deal yeah it's it, it, it's an interesting one isn't it um i'd love to see him back i think i generally think he'd be a great signing i mean it's difficult to find players of his quality at this level yeah i mean I'm, 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 I'm not a massive fan of players going back on the basis that there could be a failure and you like to remember the good times but as, as you've said he is one of those who is a genuine top end of the table Fret in a League Two team, and yeah, he'd be experienced as well. You know, he's a, he must be about thirty now, is yeah. he? And our our well, what what squad we have is very young at the moment. So. We've got some young midfielders in there as well. Who yeah, would, yeah. Who I think would really benefit from learning from someone like Devitt as well. I think that would be a massive plus for them too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, we mentioned sort of transfer rumours there as well. Obviously, a couple more. Strong rumours, I say strong rumours, Chris Beach did the uh, Be Just and Fear Not quiz. He actually hosted it a few weeks ago when there was a prize to win a signed Cali Knight shirt. wonder who won that. <coughs> Mentioning no names, me. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he had a little chat with the fans on that. It was really interesting. And he mentioned that he's very keen, and so is this lad, Josh Coyote, to come back to Cali United on loan next season. And we've yeah, got for him I'm... going up to the championship. I think we're in a good position as well to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's at championship level yet. And no. there was that bizarre thing where he extended his loan and then <laughs> three <afternoon>. hours later, <laughs> season was the over. season was, was over. But I think that I think that was more an indication that maybe the lad wants to stay and, and play football and score goals, you know. So yeah. it wouldn't be the, the biggest surprise if once things start rolling and moving, Coyote came back for the season and... We've had a couple of players from Rotherham, you know, him, Yates. We obviously have some sort of relation, working relationship with them. Yeah. And I think they know that we'd look after him and he'd get his game yeah. time. And I think you, you touched on, I think Ian Henderson just before, I've got to mention the Rochdale release list because understandably with Beach being long associated with that club, we're being strongly linked with a fair few players in there. And to be honest, there wasn't many of them I looked and thought, oh, I wouldn't want them. 
you think most of them you think i mean callum camps is the one that stands out to me i'd be surprised if he dropped to this level but with the beach connection you never know maybe that might help uh, i think it was uh, josh lillis is the keeper he'd be potentially a good signing and obviously henderson himself who's a proven performer but he's from down south originally as well so whether he'll maybe want to move this far north i don't know it's an interesting one I think I think also a lot of it will be what wages clubs are, are prepared to to pay. You know, yeah, I'm just looking. Uh, you know, Jordan Williams isn't a bad player. Oh no, yeah, he's another you know, one. Actually, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I think it was he at Barrow? Was he? I think I seem to remember. So uh, no, no, this, no, he was no, in Liverpool. This, this is the Liverpool one. Yes, yeah, there was, there was another Jordan Williams who yes. was. He was a Barry, yes, I remember. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's a good player, that Williams. He's one who's been linked with us, I think, before it was announced he was being released. So you'd be you'd be surprised if Beach hadn't at least had a conversation with most of those players, I think. I think he's he's going to be keen to bring in players he knows who can do a job. So my prediction is at least one of them is going to end up signing for us. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the biggest surprise, would it? No. And Lillis, obviously, I mentioned as the keeper there. He's just someone who... Um, you know, it's a position we need to fill at the end of the day. So he's an experienced performer. So you, you never know. He might be one that we go after. <coughs> yeah. So um, we'll briefly um, uh, touch now on sort of off the field things. I think we'll actually, we've, we've sort of talked about the off the field and the fact that the club's kept us in in good contact information, how you want to put it, um, over the summer and over the closed season. Um it's more looking at how are we going to host games at Brunton Park when we come to the point where we can do it again, but there's still measures that need to be put in place. I know the club have had a good link with this company that I think is based near Annan, and Annan as well themselves have had a link with it, who are trying to provide these sort of setups for football clubs to allow them to host games and still test people to make sure they're okay and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see whether we're actually in a better position than most other clubs, not just yeah. capacity-wise, to host games. Yeah, like like we we said earlier, obviously touching back on the capacity, we'd have no problem getting a half decent crowd in, at, at roughly forty, even fifty percent, you know. But in terms of one advantage we've got is the big training ground area behind the waterworks, yeah. where you could actually, if you needed certain measures, you could maybe ask fans to come in that way, and have you know sanitizing stations set up yeah. keeping them away from the main road you know it's there's a, there's a lot of space around the ground other than behind the white road and there's quite a lot of space around the ground generally isn't there really? yeah so yeah of, you know the the car park could be utilized you know they could they could say no parking and set up various you know cleaning stations and yeah so there's potential there but hopefully to to get us back but the question is is it going to be an enjoyable match day experience if all this is in place? You're not going to be able to go to the BI for a pint probably in the same way because the capacity will be massively reduced in there. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of those questions of a lot of people are going to be put off thinking, oh, you know what, I can't be bothered with that. Because I know quite a few people have been put off by the idea of going to the pub even yeah, the, this weekend. Um, one of the big things will be queuing for the toilet. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot a lot of pubs are doing one-in-one-out on toilets since we opened at the weekend. One-in-one-out yeah. one will not work at a football ground. One-in-one-out in, one out in that uh, Paddock North toilet. Uh, <laughs> it'll be uh, quite the... Imagine the state of it by the end of it. Yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah. it will be something else. Um, People will be going after 35 minutes and coming out after 80 minutes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> one of those things but hopefully we'll i think as you mentioned before we'll have a bit more clarity in what's happening yeah one, one, like 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 we've we've touched on once once we get some dates and a, a bit more set in stone idea the, these sort of things we'll be able to talk about a bit more yeah definitely i think that pretty much wraps up what we're going to talk about this week dan um just a little bit of a few things before we finish um going to give these a mention obviously is still doing all their fundraising for the reunited campaign Go to their website, Twitter feeds, Facebook pages to find out a bit more about that. Um, there's a lot of raising for the Save Our Stand campaign. Um, you might have seen that there's an auction on for some Jimmy Glass gloves um, that he wore for that when he scored the famous goal. Um, as part of the Kind Act Supporters Group and part of the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group, we're trying to make sure if we win them, the clubs get donated to the club. 
so they can be put on display. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the idea behind that is if people get their tickets going through the Be Just Facebook page, that instead of keeping the prize themselves, they would go as a, a donation from that group to the club to be displayed. I know the lad who's, who's running the auction for the gloves has had them professionally put in a case already. Yeah. And as part of the uh, supporters group's initiatives, the Sunset Suite is getting redone as the glass bar. Obviously, that's had to be put back due to what's happened this year. But uh, it, w- it would be quite nice if, obviously, his shirt's up in there already. To have his, his gloves underneath a shirt would uh, would make a lovely centrepiece, wouldn't it? Definitely, definitely. Be and at the same time, ra- raising funds for a, a fantastic cause, which should, if anyone listening has a spare couple of quid, uh, a quick a quick Google of Save Our Stan will show you where to, to put the money. Definitely, and I think the club have been excellent in the way they've supported that campaign as well. Yeah, would, definitely. Uh, definitely. Back that. And uh, just because he tweeted us about it, I'll give a little quick mention to, uh, I think it's Football Bubbles. So it's a guy who does Football Bubble Hats. He's releasing some Cal United 94-95 theme hats soon. Uh, give him a search on Twitter and you find out a bit more about that. Um, and I think that rounds it up, really. Um, that's it for me and Dan this week. Uh, thanks again, Dan, for joining me. This no problem. Uh, as as Lee said earlier, uh, we'll get this issue out on the airwaves, and then shortly after we will uh, have our first of our specials, being the one game wonders, yeah. with some fantastic players, some brilliant he, stories as well, isn't it? He says ironically. <laughs> yeah, we'll do, we'll talk about some. Uh, there's one in particular. We're going back into the 1930s, who had probably one of the worst debuts you could possibly imagine, and never played again for us. Very interesting one. That you'll find out with that in the episode, though. Um, if you've got any suggestions for anything you want us to talk about, particularly for the special episodes, please do drop us a line. You can suggest anything, and we'll we'll seriously consider it. We're going to look at doing profiles on players in the near future as well. So, and hopefully get a few interviews with former players. Yeah, we're we're, uh, we're actually actively working on a current a couple of uh, interviews to do. Uh, yeah. One of whom I won't say who yet, but if we get it will be brilliant yep definitely keep them uh, keep them guessing who that might be yeah so yeah thanks again for listening uh remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh we'll keep pumping these out over the summer until hopefully the football comes back cheers dan thanks for listening no,